Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Do not wait until you think things are perfect because that day is never going to come. And you'll be sitting there and you'll be like, oh, I really wish I'd started that then. And every year you'll probably have the same thought is, is it too late to start YouTube? Is it too late to start a podcast? Like, it doesn't matter. Just like do what you want to do and do it for you. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jafarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? I'm in bed right now. Today's personal spot is about how I went to the first startup school in San Francisco, which was crazy. It's where I got to meet Mark Zuckerberg from, obviously, everybody knows, Facebook for maybe somebody under a rock that doesn't know. And it was before Facebook was a Goliath like it is today. And now startup school is doing a digital version. So I'm in their little digital Zoom things or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's really just... I feel I feel like it's just weird to see how far along I've come in my journey. I remember that first time at startup school. It was in San Francisco. I drove there to be a part of it. And it was my first time meeting other people like me, like other builders. And I was just like, wow. I was just like so excited. Oh, is the best. I wish I could go back to that day. And oh, so exciting and such an adrenaline rush. And it just reminds me that everything that we create as founders and builders, it's all just this creative adventure. We stress, we work ourselves silly, but it's all just this creative, adventurous wonderland. And it's an exciting life that we live. Anyway, that's my personal spot. I am exhausted, which is why I'm in bed. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming in us from the United Kingdom, a fellow podcaster, Bob. Hello. Welcome to the show. 
Hello, thank you so much for having me. And I love the energy. <laughs> thank you. You are a podcaster as well. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are in your podcast? Yes, yes, a fellow podcaster, which sounds very cool to say. Um, so I, uh, I always say I don't really have a creative background. I'm not a very creative person. But early 2020, I decided kind of on a whim to start a podcast. Uh, we can blame Gary Vee for that. And and the Creators Campfire was born. And yeah, since then, I've kind of just been interviewing people in non-traditional work, I guess. It, it started with kind of anyone and it's moved into a bit more of a YouTube slash content creator niche. Um, but yeah, basically, I just talk to some really cool people and figure out what's going on in their heads, where the, what their journey's been like, and talk about some of the cool stories they have from their from their content creation or past lives in the traditional work life. What kind of success did you want from your podcast? Also, where can we find your podcast? Yes, I'll ask the second one first. Uh, my podcast is available on YouTube. It's a video podcast. So if you go to YouTube and type in Creators Campfire, you'll be able to find it. But it's also on all of the usual podcasting platforms. Uh, so you'll be able to find it there. I had zero goals. Uh, I think it's safe to say when I started the podcast, maybe the only one was to talk to some cool people. I genuinely expected nothing numbers wise, nothing like it was never like a business. And I was like, oh, I'm going to become like a full time podcaster or this is going to be my business or anything like that. I was just like, hey, the YouTube world is really cool. And I would love to talk to some YouTubers. Let me try and do that. What mic do you use? You have an amazing setup for podcasting. I, it's absolutely beautiful. What do you use? What's your tech stack? Thank you. Uh, I have a Rode mic. Um, I, th I think it's just called the, I honestly can't remember now, which is very, very bad, but it's it's one of them cool looking Rode mics and it's plugged into a Rodecaster Pro. Way overkill. Absolutely don't need it, but it just looked cool. And I'm one of those people that if I can buy some cool gadgets to do something, it's going to make me want to do the thing more. And that's almost my motivation to do something. And then because it's a video podcast, obviously I also have a camera set up. And I kind of originally bought the camera for YouTube, but it obviously doubles very nicely. So I have the only, uh, sorry, the Sony A6400 and I've got a Sigma 16 mil lens on it, which is very nice. Uh, and then I've just got a cute few lights dotted around the place to make it look a bit nicer. One, two, three, four. I've got four lights going on. Uh, the main one, which is a Godox SL60W. Well, actually the light itself is quite small and then it's got a huge soft box on it. So that's kind of my main light. And then over to the left-hand side, uh, I have uh, just a small LED kind of panel. I can't remember what it is. It was a 30 pound light off, off Amazon and it sits on a little tripod, which is lovely. And then behind me, I've got what they call, I guess, a practical light, uh, which is just Oh, I lied. There was five lights. So the the one to my left, the one to my left is is just an RGB light from Amazon. Again, really cheap. Just gives a bit of color to one side. And I totally stole the like two tone setup from um, a, a YouTuber called Ali Abdal, who I now luckily work for. So on one side it's blue, and I've got a an Aperture MC sitting under the desk to add to the blue hue, which is quite nice. And then on the right hand side, I just have a lamp sitting on the floor, which is just giving me the yellow tinge. That's it. And then I have the main light off <laughs> and I black out like the blinds are closed and everything so I can control the lighting. It's so good. It's so good. So your podcast, Creators Campfire, let's get into a bit about your background and your story. And then let's circle back to Creators Campfire because everybody, you know, creator is the new new. It's kind of like everybody needs to be a media company now. If you're in tech and you're building a product, you also need to be a media company. And so 
it's kind of like you also have to be a creator, but what is a creator and why do I have to be on all the things and how do I create all the things? And I don't know, it's such a huge campfire conversation. So let's start with your background and then go into the campfire. Does that sound good? My background, like I said, I have never thought of myself as very creative. I am an accountant by trade, I guess, officially. So the, the usual school, uni kind of jazz. Uh, and then I went to work for uh, Avon, um, you know, the cosmetic the cosmetic guys. Um, so I worked there for 11 years um, and I started off in finance and kind of over the 11 years worked in a few different departments and ended up in in data. So uh, post uh, accountant life, I am, I guess I'm a data analyst or kind of that kind of world. And then, yeah, and then the, the pandemic hit and I was still doing my job and I guess I was just like, hmm, I really want to do YouTube. Like I love YouTube. I love watching YouTubers. I really think I can do something, but let's be honest, I was very scared. Um, and then I started listening to a bunch of Gary V, uh, who I'd never even heard of. Like <laughs> someone mentioned it and I was like, oh, I better check him out. And I guess he was also at a loss of what to do because he couldn't travel anywhere and he was doing uh, tea with Gary V daily. So I basically just binged that for two months or something, listening to it every day. And I was like, damn, I should really do something. Like it was so motivating. And yeah, I, I don't know what clicked. I'd never considered like doing a podcast before. I was the kind of person that was scared of, you know, picking up a phone. Like I remember when I first joined Avon, I wouldn't put my number at the bottom of emails in case someone rang me. So interesting. Do you know, right when you said that you did Avon, the first thing I thought is, wow, I didn't really picture her as an, like a full on extrovert. I guess she <laughs> no, is. No, no. And uh, sorry. Also, when I say Avon, I guess I, I like, I mean head office. So you, you can get away with not being like it. You can hide, especially in, in finance and, and, and data. You can definitely hide. I think they're definitely more introverts. But yeah, no, 100% introvert. There is no question about that. Another reason why it was a bit bonkers and never having really been in front of the camera before. Again, wouldn't put my camera on for any work meetings or anything like that unless I could help it. And so you pretty much became a, not overnight, but I mean, 2020 isn't that long ago. So you went from not being a creator at all to your whole life is about between doing your podcast now working in the YouTube world with one of the YouTuber academies, your whole life is about creation or am I missing something? Yeah, no, pretty much. It's It's been an incredible like 18 months or whatever it is. I don't know what month we're in. It's been insane. Bloody hell, it's been two years. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. And like my whole world has turned upside down, but in such a good way. And I never could have dreamed this two years ago. Walk us through what does your world look like? A lot of people probably don't know about um, your YouTuber Academy or, uh, you know, anything about the creation world. So talk to us as though we don't know anything. What are you involved in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, basically, um, I work for a YouTuber called Ali Abdal and he has a productivity, I guess you could call it, um, or at least he started with a productivity YouTube channel. Uh, he has now over 3 million subscribers and I was a big fan. Um, like I'd watch all his stuff. Um, and yeah, he was just like, oh my God, you're, you're really, really good. And I guess he's kind of diversified now, but that's the world I, I kind of was like, that would be cool to get in. So his, his channel is his main thing, but again, during the pandemic, he so he was a doctor, basically he was a doctor and he was, his kind of videos were about him uh, being a doctor, started off when he was in medical school and then kind of as he kind of navigated the world of, of medicine and, and working in the NHS. 
And he, <laughs> during the summer of 2020, was going to take a year-long sabbatical and go traveling. And obviously, as we know, no one was traveling anywhere <laughs> in the summer of 2020. Uh, so he decided, basically, um, and his uh, PTYA origin story is, be is way better than any of my stories. But yes, part-time YouTuber Academy. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I should not use acronyms. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so basically... The, PT I, I will now use acronyms, uh, PTYA was born and he was like, okay, I'm going to set up a course to teach other people how to become YouTubers. So within his business, he then kind of had another element. So he was diversifying his business. So he has main YouTube channel and the part-time YouTuber Academy, which is where I work. So I now head up the operations for PTYA, having been a student for the first two cohorts, which is what makes it even more incredible to me. What is your, you know, favorite thing about doing operations for a YouTuber, for this particular YouTube Academy? Is it some of the success stories you've had from the students? Is it experimenting and being creative for you? What is your driver? What energizes you every day to show up and, and be really excited about what you do? Yeah, kind of all the above, uh, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I am a, I'm a nerd at heart. I love spreadsheets. I love organizing stuff. I love planning stuff and like... There was no way I was ever going to work for a YouTuber being a writer or a editor or anything like that. That that wasn't my kind of forte. So being able to still work in the YouTube world and to still work for someone I have so much respect for um, is is amazing in itself. Like I've I found a little niche where I can still be the little organizing person um, and still have a hand in the world of YouTube, which is insane. But yes, the the kind of job satisfaction or the, the pride you get when you see students coming in cohort after cohort and absolutely loving the course and i'm not doing a sales pitch or anything like i've been there myself as a student you just like it's just it, it just feels amazing to know you've made a difference when they come out and say oh my god this is life-changing or oh my god I've, I've done this or anything like that it just feels amazing or even when they're just like thank you so much you put on an incredible course it might not have changed their life but they've just really enjoyed you know the five six weeks that they spent with us that's so that's so wholesome and such a nice vibe. And then like you're just making friends. I've got so many friends because of it um, that we still keep in touch with now. It's just, it's just so nice. It's just a wholesome community and vibe. Cohorts are essentially community-driven education. You're right. You're spot on. The relationships I've made in the cohorts that I've been a part of they're just it's just it's just a different vibe. It's just like you're connected way past the learning experience itself uh, to support one another and elevate one another. It's it's, it's really it's almost like, you know, when you graduate yes. college and then it's not as easy to make friends. <laughs> yes, it's 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 so true. And, and I, I'm sure this is the case with so many other things. But YouTube is such a lonely place. You don't like with a traditional job, you might find people, you know, you're talking about work and it's all the same. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm doing YouTube. And people are like, what the hell are you doing that for? Why are you wasting your time or like messing around with that? And it's like, no, this is a thing. So to be able to bring that community together so that they don't feel so lonely and all of a sudden they've got people to talk about. And like that energy is also contagious because it's like, oh my God, I feel so pumped. I still feel so motivated. I don't just feel like alone in my room going, what's the point? It's lovely. Totally. How do you define success? What does the word success <laughs> mean to question. you? Yeah, uh, this is one I've gone back and forth with like a lot. 
to like uh, it's gonna sound cheesy as hell but ultimately it's just being happy right being able to do something you love and just feeling satisfied at the end of the day it's not about the money yes the money is nice and yes you need a level of you know financial backing to to do these things but being able to live that kind of life like right now it's like damn if i look at my life i'm working for a youtuber so full job security and kind of pay but a, a job that allows me to go and create myself and actually actively encourages me to go and create. Um, I just sit back and I've got, I've got a podcast, I've got a YouTube channel, albeit I haven't posted it yet, but like, and I've, I've got this job that I love. That's a successful like life, surely. 100%. For me, for me, success means inner ease more often than not. And sometimes I have to check myself because, you know, we get caught up in vanity or uh, bank account metrics or comparison, you know, vanity, meaning social media followers, all this stuff or comparison to our peers or, you know, bank account stuff. But at the end of the day, to truly be wealthy, it's your relationships. It's people who, you know, you have a home no matter what. You have food no matter what. And it's how I experience my body and my mind. Do I feel like, do my muscles feel like calm? Does my mind feel positive and abundant with love? Does my body feel light and, and with ease? And if I don't, if I feel lethargic, burnt out, tired, negative, cynical, resentful, I am not living a successful life no matter how much money I have or vanity I have. I think about this a lot because I've been through so many different stages as a, a founder and as a creator. I just think about this word success a lot. And then I do my best to um, self-reflect uh, daily, if not weekly, if not daily on am I living a successful day to day? Like what if I'm not, what tweaks can I make? What's going wrong? And I find that changing like <laughs> what, what did I tell my friend? I said, we're all like we're all one thought process away from being billionaires or something like that. Like everything is just a choice and 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 a, a perspective or maybe it's we're all one perspective. I don't remember what I said, but it was something to do with like how we perceive the world dictates our world and and what we choose to prioritize is what gets prioritized. <laughs> This is yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, I could sit here and go, oh, success means a million subscribers. I'm obviously going to sit here and feel crap every day because like that's not happening yeah. anytime soon. Nor do I even want that. Right. Like who defines. Yeah. Yeah. You define your own success, basically. <laughs> but even if you had a million subscribers, because I have so many friends with millions, it doesn't automatically mean that they feel successful and they feel happy. But they have the vanity of the million. It's really trippy. So let's talk about, you know, being a creator and what that means. Because being a creator uh, and just quite frankly, a business person or any kind of person looking to, you know, develop things, it's all a series of experimentation. You talked about experimenting with the lights and, and just how do you view experimentation and doing things the right or wrong way, especially that, you know, the academy you work for teaches people, you know, in essence, the right yeah, way to do for things. Sure. So what is, like, your, what is your perspective yeah, on I, that? I, perfectionism, basically, right? It gets to all of us. I've been there. I still do it. I don't know if there's a cure for it. I don't know if I will personally ever be cured of it. You just need to do stuff because, because if you don't do anything, you're never going to get anywhere. And I don't know why... I, for some reason, I feel like it's worse with YouTube, but I, maybe that's just because I'm biased or that's that's kind of where I'm in all the time. But 
how many, why would you expect to do something you've never done before and just be immediately good at it or immediately be, you know, a pro or as good as everybody else who's been doing it for five, 10, 15 years? Like, that's absolutely absurd. Um, you wouldn't go, oh, I learned to paint today and now I'm, I don't know, the best painter in the world. But there's, there's this weird thing where people will put out a YouTube video or won't even put out a YouTube video because they're like, it's not going to be good. And it's like, well, how do you get good? By the way, I'm preaching to myself as well. I'm, I'm not calling anybody out. And and we get that a lot in, in like the academy because people will come in and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but there'll be people who will go through the entire thing. And, and bear in mind, they spent thousands on a course, will go through and not have even filmed a YouTube video. And it's, it's like, why, what is, what is stopping you? I mean, I get it. Like it, it's scary putting yourself out there. And, and this is why I think it's, it's harder with YouTube in my opinion is because you are putting yourself out there and all of a sudden you're like, that's me potentially looking stupid in front of all these people, but in a really nice way, there's not going to be all these people actually watching. Like the likelihood that anyone's going to see your first few videos is so slim. So yeah, you just need to try, you just need to start and you'll get good and you'll get good through experimentation, right? So for the first few weeks, I'll be like, all I'm going to do is, is turn my camera on and talk to it. And then I might experiment with the lights and then I might experiment with the sound. And I, I think it's this thing where it just sounds so daunting and like such a big thing when you start because it's like, oh my God, there's all these things I have to think about. But it's the same thing, right? If you take it one step at a time, you'll get there and you can tweak at every single stage. But I think people do underestimate, going off slightly, people do underestimate the amount of work that goes into YouTube. I think there is a, like a, oh, I just grab a camera and I talk and then all of a sudden I've got a YouTube video and it's like, oh, there's so many steps. <laughs> yeah, and that's a whole nother episode. I I mean, without getting into it, the, the five second plugin is, you know, audience retention uh, is one of the biggest indicators for success on YouTube and making sure people click on your thumbnail. So you, you want to put a lot of energy into thumbnail creation, a lot of energy into what your headline is. It's not just something you could throw together really quickly and it will work because if someone clicks and then they don't watch because you didn't capture them in the 30 seconds, then you lose them. So there, there's all sorts of YouTube mechanics that are incredibly important, um, which is why it's important to, you know, get educated and be a part of things like the Part-Time YouTuber Academy. That's what it's called, right? Part-Time YouTuber Academy. At the end of the day, experiment, be curious. So creator to creator, you have had a ton of creators on your podcast, Creators Can't Fire. Let's talk about it. What are some of the things you've heard in the stories and conversations from your podcast? So the majority um, of people have been uh, YouTubers and, and what has, I guess, a couple of things have have kind of stood out. Do not wait until you think things are perfect because that day is never going to come. And you'll be sitting there and you'll be like, oh, I really wish I'd start that, started that then. And every year you'll probably have the same thought is, is it too late to start YouTube? Is it too late to start a podcast? Like, it doesn't matter. Just like do what you want to do and do it for you. Like the biggest thing that got me is, and, and I think other people say this as well, is you don't ever want to look back and regret something you didn't do. So go out and do it. Um, and I guess, uh, the other thing is that, um, it's cool just hearing, I mean, everyone has a different story, but everyone has almost like fought to find their space and their kind of area. And they're like, I love this stuff and I want to make it work. And they have made it work. And it's like putting in that dedication 
um, whatever that means that like, yes, okay, some people have put in many, many hours and some people have done it a, a bit more of a chilled way. They've all kind of known that this is what they want to do and they've gone out and done it. Yeah, I think experiment with all formats too. Like right now we're doing audio and I have my setup for audio and we're doing remotely. We're using Squadcast to record. Like I said yesterday, I wanted to, I want to spend more time in nature. So I podcasted in the park and experimented with that. Was I nervous? Totally nervous. Do I think I'm look like a, like a, like a crazy person to my guest? hundred percent. But at the end of the day, he was like, wow, this is amazing. I haven't seen this view in LA. You <laughs> so experiment, experiment with everything, rooms, setups, walking and talking. I saw my podcaster friend, Danny Miranda, this week. He's experimenting with Instagram reels where he's walking on the street and asking people questions. Have fun, like experiment. I keep going back to that. I just, I think, Bob, that we forget to have fun. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> like, it's so easy to get caught up. And it's so easy to get caught up in numbers and what other people are thinking and what other people are doing. It's like, hang on, remember why you started this journey in the first place? Like, how many people, and I'm sure there are, and that's totally cool, but how many people genuinely started to be like, I want to go out and make this much money and this is the way I'm going to do it. Most people are like, that seems really cool. I really want to do that. And it's like, yeah, why, why forget that? Because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to do it either. Then it becomes a chore and it's just like, oh, I need to do that thing. And then you just keep putting it off. And it's just, and that's how people burn out as well. And you see all these YouTubers and be, like they're like, oh my God, I kind of just lost myself in the numbers or, you know, the rat race of YouTube along the way. And it's like, it's destroyed my health or it's like, you know, completely burnt me out or whatever. And it's like, why? You can have fun. Rejection is real. You talked about some people go through your program and uh, your YouTuber program and they spend thousands of dollars and then they they don't even create one video because rejection is it's scary. It's it's like I kicked something off in the past week and I was delayed on it because I was just afraid of the rejection. But it's kind of like you just have to and but and when I finally did it, it turned out to be really successful, which in this case was great. But I was afraid it wasn't going to be successful at all. And because of that, I procra- I kept I was like kept asking questions about it. That's what I, I would ask friends. Wait, do you think this is the right choice or is that the right choice? I'm not sure. Ah, like I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then finally, I'm like, I'm letting too much time to go by. I'm not even going to have a chance to do this thing anymore if I just don't do it. So I pulled the bandaid off and I just jumped. And then I remember writing a friend, I was like, if no one's interested, at least I'll have gotten my answer that no one's interested. And so sometimes it's like, picture yourself on a really cool vacation. You're excited to do all the things. You're standing at the cliff and you're afraid to like jump off the cliff. Sometimes you just got to jump to experience the glory and, and see if it will all work out. You know, For <laughs> like, sure. And actually that, that, like yeah. there's, there's YouTubers that I've like many YouTubers will have, like, I think almost everyone will have this kind of story of oh, I really wasn't happy with this or this video was like, man, I wasn't sure whether to put it out or not. But then I put it out and oh my God, it was like one of my best performing videos. And it's like, you don't get to decide what's good. Your audience will decide what's good. So don't make that choice for them. Put it out, see what happens. But you can always take it down like if it's that bad, but it probably won't be. You're probably just in your head. 
One of my friends said he gave it six months of creating something like three TikToks a day, like a lot, just to find his voice, what he enjoyed. He tested out tons of different styles to see what the audience had a relationship with, what really worked for the audience. And it wasn't until six months that he found that formula for himself. And it was at that point he went from like a thousand followers on TikTok to over 200,000. But it was six months of like tons of videos every day. And he loves the video creation process so it was enjoyable to him to just to be creative and to explore yeah i think i think you do need that you like so you don't get caught up in this whole destiny so all about the journey right and not the destination um ali's ali's thing is very much you know one video a week for two years put in the hard work turn up week in week out and you like your life will change that doesn't necessarily mean to say hey i'm going to guarantee you a million subscribers or anything but your life will change and you need to put in that time and effort um so you get somewhere but but also, yeah, you need to find yourself and what works for you. And you need to, you do need to set some kind of like, I'm going to do it for X. Otherwise, you 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 potentially quit in the dip, right? The the Seth Godin dip, and that's not the best place to to quit. Um, so yeah, give give it time. And there's um there's a YouTuber, Unjaded Jade, who uh, basically she learned YouTube and made a bunch of videos, but she kept them all unlisted. So she didn't actually publish anything. And every week she would still make this commitment to make a video and she got better and better and better. And then by the time she was ready and she'd learned all her stuff, then she decided like, now I'm gonna kick off my channel. And I'm not advising this for most people, but um, this, this is very good. And yeah, so from day one, she knew exactly what she was doing and she was putting out great content and she just saw this huge growth because she'd learned the craft, she'd spent the time and yes, okay, she spent it in private. That's absolutely fine. Uh, but she still put in the en- the effort and the work to be consistent. Creators Campfire, what can people expect when they subscribe? And where should they go to subscribe? We'll tell them again. Yes, uh, if you head over to YouTube and you search Creators Campfire, I should hopefully uh, be the one of the first, if not the first uh, channels to come up. And that's where you could subscribe. You can also subscribe on the usual Apple Podcasts or I don't know what Spotify is doing these days or, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, it, it is out in audio only format as well. And you can basically expect a weekly, although I had a two week hiatus, um, you can expect a weekly conversation with another content creator, uh, you know, from the likes of, I don't know um, if anyone will know these people, but th- these are these are my favorite YouTubers, the likes of, of Thomas Frank and Ali Abdal and and kind of like August Bradley and um, some really, really cool names in YouTube. And also I started a new series. So this is the every, every other week, uh, what I'm calling Fireside Chats. And this is where I will um, talk to my creator friends who are kind of in a similar journey kind of position in their journey as me. They're, they're probably still a little bit better than me and a little bit more ahead of me, but they're not quite the um, kind of the higher ups of the, you know, the Ali Abdals or, or whatever. And therefore, I guess it's for people like me who are like, I want to be creators. I've started and it's cool to have the inspiration of these really cool YouTubers, but it's also nice to hear stories from other people that are at my same kind of point in the journey to learn from them and see what they're going through. So that's a cool chill chat similar things though we talk about people's journeys we talk about their struggles we talk about what they're doing where they're heading uh what creator life is like those that are you know working part-time and those that are working full-time and how they're navigating that and and balancing the world of content creation with you know family life or whatever or, or any other life 
And um, you mentioned you mentioned people like Thomas Frank. Who, uh, other than the people you mentioned, who is your favorite creator or like a must follow? It could be a podcaster, YouTuber, a blogger, a person on Twitter. Um, anybody who is a must follow for you? Uh, okay, this is obviously biased because I work for him, but I I would have said this even if I didn't. It's Ali Abdal. Like for me and and what I do, like he's he's. I have a okay. I have a trio of people that I've always followed which is Ali Abdal, Thomas Frank, and Matt Diavella. They are my absolute favorite YouTubers um, and just great, great content, all in a very similar niche. Um, but yeah, they are, they are my favorites. Since we're talking about YouTube, I'll say a must-follow for me is Nate O'Brien. Are you familiar uh, yes. with Nate O'Brien? Yes, his stuff is very good. He's awesome. And I just, I just love what a sincere person he is. I've actually like gotten to speak with him, and he just seems like a genuinely kind, nice, thoughtful human. And so I'm a Nate O'Brien fan. What's a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how were you able to overcome it? Uh, I Honestly, I guess for me, and I know we've talked about it, is is getting on camera and being okay with putting myself out there. Uh, that was that was crazy. Like I said, I, I wouldn't answer the phone. I wouldn't turn my camera on at all. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, I'm going to host this video podcast and I'm going to live stream it for some absurd reason. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, how did I get over it? I, I didn't give myself to think at uh, time to think or, you know, talk myself out of it. Uh, the, the timeline between having the idea of saying I'm going to start a podcast and actually starting a podcast was probably a week, if not less. Um, yeah, I think if I'd given myself any more time or that like inspiration had hit me when I wasn't feeling so, I don't know, energetic, it wouldn't have happened. But for some reason I did it and just doing the first episode gave me enough courage to continue. So cool. I love it. And where can people connect with you? Uh, yeah, you can find me. Uh, obviously, please come go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if that sounds like uh, an interesting thing. Otherwise, I am on Instagram uh, at Just Barves. I'm also on Twitter at Just Barves. That's probably the best places to find me. J-U-S-T-B-H-A-V-S. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be around on those, those two platforms mostly uh, or in the YouTube comments section. And very last question, best piece of advice that you've gotten that's helped propel you forward in your career? <laughs> the best piece of advice I got was uh, not directed at me or not a question I asked, but uh, the answer was don't listen to anybody's advice. And I thought that was great. Mm, <laughs> you <amen>. do you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always say your intuition is your oracle. That is your GPS system. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more amazing women in the Women in Tech community, remember to go to Women in Tech vip.com that's women in tech vip.com say hello on social at women in tech show on twitter on instagram on facebook i will see you talk to you all the things in the next episode bye thank you so much for having me. i genuinely really really appreciate this and it was so cool to connect and meet and yeah this was a lot of fun so thank you and thank you to everybody that's listening Hey guys, this is Barb, creator and host of Creators Campfire, a video podcast based in the UK where I interview content creators and talk about their journeys and experiences. You're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.